everybody. We're back into the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. It's a Friday afternoon, and y'all know what that means. Will, it's college basketball. It's just you and me. No interruption from the CEO. How was the end of your work week, brother? It was a good, it was a good week, you know. Uh, crazy week in college basketball. A lot of games to talk about. Uh, looking forward to it. Man, me too. I, I kind of like how we have this carved out. You know, only a couple weeks left of the regular season. When, season, when we're talking a week from now, uh, we'll be heading into the final weekend of the regular season, which is pretty crazy when you think about how fast this season went by. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's been a long season, and now these teams are fighting for good seeds in their conference tournaments, and then they get ready to play in the uh, national tournament. I can't wait. We are officially in March, boys and girls. So without further ado, let's get into it. And, Will, you're right. It was a pretty wild weekend. And we'll start from Monday, where number nine-ranked North Carolina defeated Miami 75-71 in a very – very, uh, how do you want to say, non-impressive win. So what were your big takeaways from that one in the ACC? Yeah, they traveled to Miami, and Miami is not the Miami of old this year. They're a little subpar. It was a very um, surprising outcome for me. But if it wasn't for R.J. Davis, who had 42 points and was 7-11 from three, they might lose that game by 15 points. Davis has had an absolutely incredible yeah, he um, he's one of the, one of the best consistent guards in the country. Shooting the ball, passing the ball, um, he's got it all. Funny, I, I watched them play UConn back in that like Madison Square Garden mini tournament or one of the Invitationals in the preseason, and he had an okay game, but I didn't see it then. But I guess really ever since conference play started, he's been a completely different player. Yeah, for sure, and that well, that's the thing also. You know, you don't have to play UConn. You don't have to play in the Big 12. The ACC is not what it is. It's just Duke and UNC, and maybe you could throw in Virginia in that game. In that case, you can educate me and the listeners on this as well. I mean, Miami, whether it was fluky or not, they did go to the Final Four last year. So what what happened to them? I guess to to put them, Larinaga is an amazing coach. Why are they where they are this year? I don't know how many people they brought back from that Final Four team. I would have to look at the roster. Um, I just don't think they're playing like a team, uh, like a complete team. Um, either they're very consistent from three or they're not. They have troubles rebounding the ball. They're small in size. They Usually Miami has that one big guy from Ghana or something that is like 7-2 and rebounds everything. Uh, they don't have that this year, and I think that's why they're struggling. Yeah, I and mean, especially when you go up against a team like North Carolina with Baycott or a team against Duke with Phil, uh, Filipowski. Uh, you're going to get wrecked on the interior for sure. Um, good win for North Carolina, I guess. Just get out of there unscathed. There's no style points here. We're not ranking these teams like we do in college football. Yeah, you just got to win your game. Move on. Yeah. Um, Baylor, ranked 15. Uh, they go into TCU and win by eight. Um, you probably watched more of this game than I did. What were your takeaways from Baylor? So Baylor beats a tough TCU team, and I think TCU is just right outside the top 25 rankings. It's a tough place to play. Like I have said before, any day in the Big 12, anybody can beat anybody, and I know we'll talk about that later. But uh, uh, Baylor plays that physical brown basketball. I mean, they out-rebounded them by almost 20, I believe. And, uh, you know, they get up and down the court, assist on assisting on everything, and TCU just couldn't hang with them. Probably one of those games where you think if TCU had one more player, maybe this game could have been a little yes, closer, right? Correct. Yep. Yep. 
A um, couple more games in the Big 12. Houston, the number, the newly ranked number one team in the country. We did our recap pod Sunday night before the AP rankings came out. Uh, before we get into this game, do you do you agree with the top three? Do you agree with Houston one, Purdue two, UConn three? No, I don't. I think it should be Houston one, UConn two, and Purdue three. Um, Purdue has these bad losses. Like UConn, yeah, granted they got killed, but it was to a ranked team. Purdue's losing to Ohio State. They're losing to teams like that. And the Big Ten is not what the Big Ten is usually. So those are considered bad losses. Even though UConn lost the way they did, that's still not a bad loss. You lost to a ranked team. I think that UConn, and I didn't want to sound like a homer, so I'm glad that you agree with me. Um, I could care less about the rankings. I think that when UConn got picked number one seven weeks ago and they won their first two games, it was the first time a newly minted number one team in the country in the 2023-2024 season didn't lose its first game after being ranked one. So I was cool with that. But – I agree with you. I, I just don't understand why. I feel like the national media and Kempom and all of this, like they go out of their way to give Purdue and the Big Ten all this love, even though we've seen Purdue just shit themselves in the in the tournament. And no matter how dominant Connecticut is, they're like, ah, well, are they really that good? I think it's Purdue. I, I let's throw away the fact that they have basically the same amount of quad one wins, but UConn's losses are tremendously of better quality than Purdue's are. But I don't know. Yeah, that's the whole thing with the Big Ten. And, you know, I've talked about it before. Uh, Wisconsin in is in and out of the rankings. They're a 10-loss team. How are you ranking this team who has one good win on their, their resume by beating uh, Marquette the third game of the season? I, I, they've lost to Providence. They've, lose in the, they've, they've lost five out of six in the Big Ten. Granted, two of those were ranked teams. But also, you lost to Michigan, who has eight wins this year. And you lost to Penn State. How how are you considered to be a top twenty five team? Yeah, and, and you know everybody that listens to the pod. I mean, they're like, here Sean goes again, and because I, I obviously hate the Big Ten and football too. But I just don't, from an objective perspective, like I said, I, I really could give a fuck less if UConn's ranked two or three. If they win the national championship again, that's literally all I care about. Well, that's all that matters at the end of the day. You can be a four seed, you can win it all. You can be an eight seed, which UConn has been before and win it all. Yeah, I just think that the criteria doesn't seem to always be graded on the same curve for some teams than it is for the others. But one thing we agreed upon, Houston is undoubtedly number one at this point. And they beat Cincinnati on the road by 8, 67-59. Was this a game that they kind of let Cincinnati hang around, or was it not really indicative of the score? Yeah, it was one of those games where it's don't play with your food kind of thing because Cincinnati can sneak up on you. But LJ Cryer, again, continues to shine. propels that team. He's a leader. Um, him and R.J. Davis, two of the best guards in the country, along with your with your guy as well. But, uh, I mean, every time I look at a box score, this guy has 20 points. Every time. Big 12 player of the year right now? Yes, I, I think so, just because of a team that we'll talk about later with uh, my Jayhawks. Kevin McCuller was the favorite to win the Big 12 about three weeks ago, and he's played two games since. So, And I guess we'll slide right into that where – BYU goes into Allen Fogg where nobody wins. I think I think the stat is basically this. I might be off by like one or two games, but I think Bill Self is like two ninety eight and eighteen or nineteen at home. Yeah, it's that it's. I think it's eighteen now after that loss. But the crazier stat is he has sixteen Big Twelve titles and eighteen home losses. That's fucking insane. Um. 
So how did this happen? We know McCullers hurt, but was it really as simple as that, or was just did nobody else show up in this game? No, nobody else showed up, and it was uh, it was painful to watch this game. Um, we just couldn't get the ball in the basket, and you know you're missing a guy that's scoring almost 20 points a game. So that's a big, and he's also one of the best defensive players in the country to add along with that. When you have a guy that starts like Nick Timberlake, who we've talked about before, is nice in his spurts, but he's no Kevin McCuller that's going to carry your team. And that's what happened to Kansas. Nick Timberlake, I'm just going to say thank you. Yeah, I know you are. But, you know, <laughs> Nick, Nick Timberlake has had his moments for us, but for him to be a starter on this Kansas team is not what this Kansas team's about. They need Kevin McCuller if they want to make a run in the Big 12 and not only the Big 12, the NCAA. The extent of his injury, and is there a timetable for his return? I think he's always day to day, and it's a. I think he has a bad knee bruise, um, and playing on it makes it worse. So I think, I think Bill Self is just keeping him out. You know, you, you know, Bill. He doesn't care about the Big Twelve. It's nice to win it, obviously, but he just wants this guy to be healthy for the NCAA tournament because he made that mistake years ago with Embiid playing a hurt Embiid in to win the Big Twelve, and then he couldn't play in the tournament because his back was hurt. Mm. Yeah, you hope that he learned his lesson, you know, 10 years later. Um, just mentioning the Timberlake thing, I, I feel like the majority of teams who are who have brought in these mid-major transfers in the portal have had a pretty high level of success with it. So what has really happened? Because I know you've, you've mentioned your depth being a real issue with your Jayhawks. What has happened to him? Can he just not stand the physicality that the Big 12 is? Is he just never gotten on a run shooting? Because I feel like he's the outlier in a, in a portal of transfers that have pretty much unanimously been good. And then don't uh, mistake me if I'm wrong. He came from Hofstra, right? No, he came from Townsend. Townsend. It was one of those schools in yeah, that. Townsend in Maryland, yeah. Yeah, so – he played in a conference where in, they don't play defense like the Big 12. He was he had a lot of open shots probably at Townsend, and there's not many open shots at Big 12 conference play. It's it's interesting because you also think you get somebody in the in the Bill Self Kansas ecosystem. Uh, I think Dickinson he's had a really good year. I think a lot of people was he the preseason consensus Big 12 player of the year? Yes, he was. Uh, he I mean, was. he's having a great year. He's averaging a double double. Uh, yeah. He has 20 points in his in the last 50 games, I think 20 plus points in eight of them, which is crazy. Um, he's, he's struggled a little bit recently from three, but he can still step out at seven, two and hit a three pointer, which is scary for other teams. A little bit of Kansas that I've watched where I'm really watching them on the defensive side. He's left a little bit to be desired in my opinion, but he is such a force offensively and rebounding that I think he makes up for that. I don't like yeah, you want for to sure. Maybe I'm wrong. The, the other thing, no, you hit that on the nose there. The other thing that I want to see more of is how athletic KJ Adams is. Give him the ball more. Let him go up there. Let him dunk it. Let him. He, he can hit that elbow jump shot. Let him take it. You know, there's no reason that Adams can't be having 15 and 10 a game, but you know, he's more of a disher and a rebounder than a scorer. Well, you got a big one this weekend, so so we'll see as we, when we get to our preview. Um, in the SEC, Kentucky, they only beat Mississippi State by two. Reed Shepard is is just the talk of the town right now. He's having an unbelievable season and an unbelievable stretch of games lately. But this is, again, why Kentucky scares us. We, we went on the whole rant. We don't have to do it again, Will. How do you only beat Mississippi State and Starkville by two after what you just did to Alabama? It's called a letdown. That's what it's called. Um, probably a team, a game that they looked straight through, you know, going into this weekend. 
Um, but, the, you know, I talk about it all the time. It's another game that the hit over is hit. Kentucky can score with anybody in the country. The only problem is their defense leaves something to be desired when it comes to March. Um, Tennessee goes into Auburn and beats them by eight. Dalton Connect, man. I mean, what a fucking baller he is. Yeah, um, definitely an All-American for sure. Um, and that Tennessee team is scary. You know, they run up and down the court. Uh, very physical team. Um, so I think they – and those there's a combination of those three teams that are going to come out of the SEC and make a deep run in March. It's either going to be Kentucky, Auburn. Uh, well, you can throw Alabama in there as well. And then Tennessee. I think Tennessee has the best chance to make the deepest run in March. I agree with you. Uh, unlike previous Tennessee teams that kind of don't mind having rock fights, I feel like they finally have the scorer that can go on his personal 9-10-0 run when everything else has gone to shit where they haven't had that in the past. They haven't had that in the past. And yeah, this is a guy, he's an automatic bucket. And that's what Tennessee has needed in the past couple of years. And now they have it. Um. Is he your SEC player of the year, or is it one of the Kentucky guys? No, he's definitely my SEC player of the year. I think mine, too. Um, admittedly, I haven't been dialed in as much, but just you see, you look at his box score every game. I'm like, this is not an outlier. This guy's been doing it since November. Mm -hmm. And there, there's some games that you see, and he's like, oh, this guy shot 60% from three today? That's nothing new. Yeah, exactly. Um, the last SEC game I want to highlight here, South Carolina uh, beats Texas A&M by two. Um, South Carolina, man, I, I don't know how good they actually are. They're probably in that second tier of SEC teams, but how dangerous are they come SEC tournament time, in your opinion? Well, this is one of those games that they were probably looking forward to this weekend, and we'll talk about that game against Florida. Um, Florida's a tough team as well, another ranked game for South Carolina. South Carolina has their games that they look like they can beat anybody, but then they also have these games that they struggle against inferior opponents you don't see that much out of a Tennessee or I mean you see you saw it out of Kentucky this week but with the way Kentucky scores they can run out run the gym with anybody oh absolutely absolutely um I, I've, I've been sleeping on the SEC this year bro I gotta be honest with you I I'm you know how much I love SEC football uh, the basketball program when you look at the rank numbers next to these teams it's a lot deeper than than I've certainly given it credit for all year yeah, it's a, it's a good conference. I think they have five ranked teams, I think. Yeah. Six, five. Yep. And then also, if you look at it, teams that are not that good in that conference record-wise are still good teams. Like LSU has put up fights against many ranked teams this year. I don't think they have many wins against them. But it's like a – it reminds me of a – you know, I'm trying to think. Like a, like a Seton Hall in, you know, the Big East. Seton Hall, in my opinion, should be ranked. But it's like one of those teams that's very good in conference and knows how to play the, these ranked opponents. I saw LSU knock off Kentucky. Um, yes. So they're, they're, not a, they're not a pushover at all. Uh, um, <clears throat> moving into the Big East, I want to talk about Marquette. Blowing out Providence, um, that was a big win for them. They beat them by 23 points. And I, I don't know, man. Like, this, is, this team is Jekyll and Hyde to me. Kolek left this game with a side injury. We'll see if he's available this weekend. But uh, this team – I watched what the UConn game was, and I still think that was an outlier. That was a buzzsaw that they ran into on that particular Saturday. But they can be great, but they also can be – they can leave a little to be desired, which wouldn't surprise me if they got picked off, even being a high seed. Yeah, I agree with that too. Um, but like you said, it was a buzzsaw playing UConn. UConn was playing their best basketball, uh, and Marquette was like, okay, that's uh, that's a game we just throw in the trash and we get it going again. But, um, yeah, they played a subpar Providence team. 
uh, and they took care of business. But they have a big one this weekend. We'll see how Marquette is, how good Marquette really is. Kolek is good as everybody says he is. Mm, I mean, he's a, definitely a great player, um, probably an all-Big East player, but I don't think he wins Big East player of the year. Would you rather have Tyler Kolek or Tristan Newton? Tristan Newton. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I would I would agree. Um, I know Kolek gets all the accolades. He won the Big East player of the year last year, but mm-hmm. I feel like he's, if he doesn't make a shot, I know he's, a, he's, an, ama- he's an amazing passer. But I feel like if he, his shot's not going, he doesn't impact the game, particularly on the defensive side of the ball that Newton does. Yes, I, I totally agree. And I feel like he's one of those guys that if his shot's not falling, the rest of his game's not there either. Right, because if he's not shooting and he's timid, everybody knows he's trying to set up his teammates and you can adjust your defense accordingly, right? Um, Creighton, they beat Seton Hall. They kill Seton Hall. Again, Creighton. Will the real Creighton Blue Jays please stand up? I have no idea who this team is. I mean, that's the definition of Jekyll and Hyde. That, that literally is. And they, they beat up on a, a very good Seton Hall team. Uh, definitely a bounce-back sure. game. Um, definitely a bounce-back game. And, you know, now they have the big one this weekend, which we just talked about in Marquette. And I think that's going to be one of the premier games of the weekend. Oh, it absolutely is. And, hey, let's give Tom's Johnny's credit, man. I know we talked about it the other night off the pod. They beat up on Butler, who's a good team. I know they're not ranked and they're a bubble NCAA tournament team, but Thad Mod has done a great job there. Uh, but St. John's, they just kicked the shit out of them and held them to 59 points, and they put 82 on them. Uh, it's mm-hmm. hard to do, and they got some revenge on Posh Alexander as well. Yeah, and what did I text you guys an hour before the game? Johnny's money one. I was like, that's going to hit, no no doubt about it in my mind. Um that, the Johnnies are going to be one of those teams in the Big East tournament that nobody wants to play. They have two of their two of their remaining games are should be wins with DePaul and Georgetown, and then if you get you know maybe the five, uh, the five seed somehow in um, the Big East tournament, they can make a run. They could be the ranked team, and then then that's not a team that anybody wants to play in the tournament as well if they make it. Oh, and, and we've seen it so many times. It's it's not a matter of who the better team is. It's who's playing the best when it's nut crunching time. And right now, they finish up the regular season play on a five-game winning streak. That's fucking impressive as hell, man. Yeah, uh, and then the other thing we, we, we talk about as well, they definitely have the, the coaching aspect of the game, regardless, not regardless of who they're playing, but many teams that they'll be playing in the Big East tournament. I think and minus early. And they're going to be playing at home. Exactly. Yep. Um, we got a couple other, a couple other games just to highlight quickly. Um, one Pac-12 game, Washington State does beat USC narrowly, though I might add. Um, Washington State obviously is ranked 19. They are, in your opinion, the best, the team that's going to win the the Pac-12. How good is this team? I think this team is very good. It was one of those. Uh, I mean, if you look at the box score. Both those teams shot over 50%. So it was a game that was going back and forth. That was one of the best games that um, USC has played this year. Um, yeah, they're my dark colors to win the the Pac-12, the Conference of Champions, um, because I know everybody's picking Arizona, but Washington State's already beat them twice. Really fucking impressive when you think about it. Um, okay, Gonzaga. I know uh, you were looking forward to this game last night. This was an ass-whooping. They beat San Francisco by 20. Um, it was never a game. It was a sad day for my Dons. I love my Dons, but <laughs> is the the question I put in my notes is Gonzaga back? 
Are they back? Well, they're not going to win the West Coast Conference. St. Mary's locked that up. But they, they – the tournament, obviously. They can win the tournament. Um, and, listen, it's going to come down to those two teams like it always does. But Gonzaga, and I'm looking forward to that game this weekend, Gonzaga-St. Mary's. Yeah, they're playing tomorrow night. Um, yep. this, is, this is a Gonzaga team that has really struggled all year and has not been the version that we thought that they were going to be. But mm-hmm. they are playing well down the stretch. And, obviously, depending on how much success they have, to finish out the season and then in the in the conference tournament, it, you're going to look up and say, "Oh shit, we got to play Gonzaga." Yep, that's now they're they're finding their their stride here, and I I, I could see them winning the the uh, uh, WCC pretty easily uh, if they keep the way they're playing going. Gonzaga, St. Mary's, San Francisco, the three West Coast conference teams getting in. Yes. Okay. Um, Dayton got a, a nice bounce back win. They knocked off Davidson by 14. Um, Holmes playing very well. Um, and that was a big time win for, for, uh, for Dayton. I mean, just a total bounce back game. Um, I, I think they win that conference easily. I don't see them losing it. I don't see them slipping up in, in the conference tournament, but also I don't feel like this team really has the players to make a deep run in March. I don't either. I I think that Holmes is excellent. I I don't know how how good they'd be. I mean, we the one thing that I wish I could comp that I can't is the Obi Toppin season because that was the year that COVID shut everything down and we didn't get a chance to see Dayton with one of the best players in the country. Yeah. I wish we had that comp because I would definitely be making that right now. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, the only game that we didn't talk about, unless you have it on your notes still, is um, the Mountain West back at it again. Uh, no hey. road game. No road game is easy. Utah State, Fresno State, 77-73. Well, Utah State, uh, very good team as well. But I, I look at the Mountain West like the Big 12 kind of. You, any, any away game is it's not, a, it's not an easy game, regardless if it's Air Force, you know, if it's uh, a Fresno State team, uh, a Nevada. All those games are tough games. And uh, Fresno State proved that this, this past, past week. You said on the pod last Sunday night, and you have a chance to to confirm it for right now. Five Mountain West teams getting into the tourney. Yeah, so you five Mountain West teams. I still think it's. I, I still think five guys, five teams get in. I'll probably be where it finishes unless something catastrophic goes wrong. I don't think another team's jumping in, but one team could fall out, right? Yeah, I think like a team like Nevada, if they lose in the first round of the Mountain Mountain West, I could see them being on the bubble, maybe first four out kind of thing. Want to preview some games for this weekend, brother? Absolutely. All right. Well, let's start in the SEC. We got number 24, Florida, and number 18, South Carolina. This game is freaking awesome. I will be dialed in at 11 a.m. my time. And mm-hmm. how do you see this game going? I think this is going to be within a two-possession game the whole game. I could just see it like that. One of these teams is going to win by five. I don't know who it's going to be. Florida's a very tough team. South Carolina at home is very, very good. Um, but they both play the same brand of basketball. Up and down the court, threes, make their shots. It's going to be it's going to be a, uh, a drag out. Way to start the Saturday slate of games, too. Oh, what a way, yeah. I, I'm all for it. All right. Not too after, far after that, we got your Jayhawks rolling into Waco. Number seven, Kansas at number 15, Baylor. Kansas coming off the BYU loss. Baylor coming off the TCU win. How confident are you in your Jayhawks, brother? I know McCullough's out. Um, well, when I was looking at the spread today, um, 
Baylor's only favored by four and a half, which is making me think that McCullough might be playing this game. Um, and if McCullough is playing this game, I like the Kansas Jayhawks money line. And I will talk on the, the betting pod with Tom later about it. That was one of my picks for the week. Um, I think Kansas gets the job done in Baylor. And, you know, you got to keep pace with those other teams in the Big 12 to get a good seed. By chance, McCullough doesn't play. How can Kansas still win this game? They already beat uh, – granted, it was at the Fog, so it's, everything's different. Um, they played Baylor and beat them without McCullough. But if they're if they're going to have any chance at Baylor without McCuller, you know, hard guy Nick Timberlake has to has to make some shots, and Johnny Furphy has to take over. I know he's a freshman, but there can't be just one score on the court in Dickinson. There's got to be there's got to be three other guys, two to three other guys in double digits. Those guys always play better at home than on the road, and unfortunately, this week you're on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, number thirteen Illinois at Wisconsin. Illinois, we kind of talked about them last week. I think they're Fugazi. Terrence Shannon's excellent. Um, obviously, Hawkins is good, but I don't buy this team. And listen, I know Wisconsin's just been getting the shit kicked out of them. But to me, I think if you want to call it an upset, I think Wisconsin could win this game. I wouldn't even call it an upset because Wisconsin's favored by two and a half points. There you go. How crazy is that? Wisconsin, who hasn't beat any ranked team uh, outside of December. Um, they, they play at home against a good Illinois team, but also – is a little fraudulent Illinois team, a little Big 12 bias there. Um, I think that's going to be a good game as well. I can see Wisconsin winning. I think Wisconsin either wins by like four or they lose by 24. Yeah, I think that's right. They, they got to keep it close and they could win a close one, but you could also see Illinois just boat racing them. Illinois, yeah. I'm most intrigued to, by this game because I really want to watch Illinois in action. I have graded them – Maybe not the most fairly because I haven't admittedly watched a lot of them because I don't mm-hmm. care about most games that they play in. But if they kick the shit out of Wisconsin and they look really good doing it, I might be I might be swallowing my pride a little bit come Monday. Yeah, I totally get it. Arkansas at Kentucky. Uh, I know Arkansas is not good this year, but Nate Oates, the head coach, is a madman, and I think he's going to have his his crew ready for this game. Um, I think this is another one of those, Will. I wonder what your thoughts are. I think Kentucky could play with their food, to use your term, or they could beat them by 30. Yeah, I I look at this game as uh, Arkansas is going to give it their all, and they're going to play – cash the over right now, everybody. Just cash the over on Kentucky-Arkansas. Any Kentucky game, just put the over because this team (laughs) scores 90 90 points a game. But I think Arkansas is going to be right with them. It's going to surprise you how many shots Arkansas hits, and you're like, how are they a 500 basketball team? Well, and then there's the Kentucky conundrum, which is why is their defense so fucking bad? Yep. It's like, yeah, we're going to win, but we're still going to give up 89 points. I mean, that's the thing. They gave up 95 to Alabama, even though they put up 117. And they gave up 89 to Mississippi State. Yep. It's just they they just don't play defense. It's, it's, they don't. You know, you know they're, they're, they'll struggle with a, a big 12 team that plays defense. And they'll be like, wait, we're not going to score 90? <laughs> And that's man, I tell you, you've been foreshadowing it, and I we are only in a holding pattern because come NCAA tournament time, if they are not beating the shit out of a, a much more experienced team, uh, take the other team. Yes, for sure. And you know, could you see them like slipping up against a TCU who plays great defense? I could. Absolutely, I wouldn't even be surprised. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they beat them by twenty-five. Exactly. Um, let's go out west real fast. Oregon at number six, Arizona. Any upset potential here? No, but this is also a game for Arizona. Don't don't play with your food, as I like to say. 
Uh, this should be an easy win for Arizona. Double digits, my guess at home. So, yeah, mark it down for Arizona. I think you're right. Um, the marquee game in the Big East, probably the marquee game of the day, at least one of the two or three. Number five, Marquette travels to Omaha to face those motherfucking Blue Jays. You know I hate Creighton. I don't mm-hmm. even have to hide it. Um, this game is fantastic. It should be. It could be a preview of the Big East tournament final, maybe a semifinal. What are your thoughts on this game and who wins? I think it goes back and forth. Um, if Marquette is at full strength, I think they take care of business again, uh, even though it's at Creighton. Uh, but Creighton definitely needs another another big win on their resume. Obviously, they beat UConn, but beating UConn and Marquette in the same year is, is a pretty good uh, role to have. Yeah, because both those teams are going to finish probably top eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they slaughtered UConn. I think that's the other thing that is worth noting. It's not just a win. They killed them that game. Um, and if they kill Marquette, I mean, I got to tell you, man, at Omaha, that place, it is so hard to win there. It definitely is one of the tougher places to play in the country. And at, it, they're, Creighton's the same thing. They're a different team at home, just like Kansas. You know, that, that arena gets rocking. They're hitting all their threes. It could be a long day for Marquette. Get a guy like Ashcraft who, you know, hasn't – maybe doesn't play – the most consistent basketball, but when he's at home and he makes a couple shots, I mean, it's night over. Yep. Um, Iowa State at UCF. I know Iowa State's ranked number eight. UCF has knocked off some teams this year, Will. Uh, yep. We'll do it again. Yeah, uh, I w- was looking at this game, and I'm very intrigued to watch this game. Um, Iowa State's only favored by three and a half at UCF. Is it just because the UCF has that potential at home to upset these teams, like a Kansas? Um, but I think that's going to be a great game. I do think Iowa State takes care of, care of business, and they win close to double digits. Okay. Um, another one in the Big 12 for you. Number one, Houston goes up to Norman, Oklahoma. Um, listen, we know how much of a buzzsaw Houston is right now. Oklahoma's been in and out of the top 25. Uh, is this a game that everybody's expecting Houston to kill them, or can you see Oklahoma possibly pulling the upset or at least keeping it close? I think they keep it close. I, I think Houston wins by like 8 to 10 is my guess. Um, it's not going to be a 25-point blowout. Oklahoma at home is a tough team to play. Um, but I, I think they keep it close. I don't think they win, but I think they keep it close. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, two in the ACC, and uh, in-state rival, NC State at number nine, North Carolina, and then Virginia at number 10, Duke. Uh, preview these two for us. Uh, NC State is a decent um, – ACC team this year. Uh, they go to uh, UNC to play. I think UNC takes care of the business there. Uh, Ten-point win for them. Uh, the Virginia-Duke game is very interesting to me. Um, I think that's one of the things I would talk to with about Tom. That's my under of the weekend. I can right. see uh, – I think Duke wins that game, but I think they win it like 62-55. Be afraid to cross-pollinate. You can mention your bets here too. Um, okay. Yeah. You don't – Listen, the more advice people can get heading into the weekend, the, the better. Um, mm-hmm. Michigan State at Purdue. Michigan State, it's not a good year for them, man. Um, it's a down year for Michigan State. It's a for down sure. year for sure. I don't even know if they're in the tournament today. Uh, maybe you could articulate that. I think they're uh, right now they're on the bubble as first four out. Um, so this would really put a feather in their cap by upsetting Purdue. Um, I think they definitely cover the spread. I think it's 10 and a half points. I think they can definitely cover that. Uh, but Michigan State has those moments against ranked teams. And they did it against Duke earlier this year where they're we know they're not that good, but 
this game's a three-point game with four minutes left. Another great one in the SEC, Tennessee at Alabama, number four at 14. Uh, I am going to be dialed into this game because I want to see the Dalton Connect show, and I also want to see what Alabama does to try to to try to upset them a little bit playing down in um, playing down in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, Alabama's got to play the way of defense of double team and connect, and then ha- if they if somebody else beats them, that's great. But I think that game is going to be just like the uh, the Florida South Carolina game within two possessions of of each other. All right. Um, we got the matchup of the year in the WCC, number 23, Gonzaga, at number 17, St. Mary's. I mentioned before, St. Mary's has already clinched the regular season. Um, are you picking Gonzaga to win this game? Gonzaga is back. Money line. Let's go. Look it, baby. There we go. I love it. Um, and the last game, the last game of real note to round out the weekend, Seton Hall at number three, UConn. UConn had their week off. Um, they'll have a full eight days from the Villanova game. Do you think this game is close? Let's not forget Seton Hall kicked the crap out of UConn in the first game of Big East play this year. That was game Klingon got hurt. Um, Seton Hall, I know we just saw them get rocked by Creighton. Um, so let's let's think here. Can they can they sweep Connecticut or is UConn just too good and they're at home on senior day? I'm gonna ask I'm gonna answer your question with a question. Okay. Does UConn, um, if UConn wins this game by three, are you pissed? I'm never pissed when they win. I always yeah, think, I'm just saying. I think yeah, UConn takes I, care of business badly. I think they do I, the same thing that Creighton does to them. I have been on this ride of the last two years where UConn is unquestionably one of, if not the best team in the country, particularly against out-of-conference teams. Mm-hmm. And they've done so many impressive things this year. Where I'm like, no, I, I you, I don't ever like to expect wins, and I never like to expect blowouts. Seton Hall is a good team; they've got some good on that team. I'm never, they're, what they're what four, UConn, fourth in the Big East, and they're not even ranked. Yeah, exactly. I'm never disappointed if UConn faces some adversity and wins a close game. I think that's only going to make them better for the Big East tournament and eventually uh, for the NCAA tournament, but. Yeah, my projection. I am scared of this game. I, I I think Seton Hall can play with UConn. We've seen it already, and um, I think UConn wins. Don't get me wrong, but I'm expecting a pretty close game. See, I'm not expecting a close game at all. I'm thinking UConn. You know, Hurley puts the walking seniors on senior night with like three minutes left because that's how badly the game got out of hand. We're well, also talking to a fan. Remember, I'm always yep. cautiously optimistic, but of course, yeah. Um, we did it, Willie boy. Um, next time yes, we talk. Oops will be Monday night and uh, mm-hmm. recapping the weekend and uh, segueing into the final week of the regular season and then the real fun starts. Yep. Can't wait for that. Me too, man. All right, everybody. Enjoy the slate of games. We'll be talking to you soon. Uh, take care. All right, Tom. Um, we got to talk episode four of Curb. Um, I got to ask if you're disgruntled and if you would do something like Jeff did uh, in a public space that you were dissatisfied with. But obviously, we need to address the passing of the man, the myth, and the legend, Richard Lewis, passing away yesterday at the age of 76. We knew he had been sick for a while. It was a struggle for him to do some of the episodes. Um, I'm just so happy he was able to do the final season for as much as he was able to. And just a sad day, all the, all the stuff coming out of showing clips 
and hearing more about his life and how sweet of a guy he was. Sad news to get this week, man. Yeah, you know, the older I get, the more, the more these deaths hit you, man. I mean, I don't know. It's between him and then Super Dave. What was that? Two or three years ago. It's they're really going to be missed, and those guys are just truly irreplaceable. I know I joked and said Vin Diesel. But Larry said on the Simmons podcast that he had Vince Vaughn come on to play some sort of a Funkhauser character. But, you know, it's never going to be the same. And, it, and Richard Lewis being his best friend is just irreplaceable. I don't think he's even going to try and have another kind of guy like that on there. Um, I, I'm I'm very glad that he was able to get the final season in. Um, I think that'll be a nice little memento. I'm sure they'll do something nice on Curb somehow for him. You know, probably know how he'll he... probably add in a very ending. That's credit what I meant. At the end of the final episode. Um, you know, it's it definitely is tough. You know, Richard, you, you see the chemistry that they have as best friends for over 50 years. And for those listening who hear our curb recaps and, and maybe don't know the whole impotence of their friendship. They they were born three days apart, Richard Lewis and Larry David, three days apart in the same hospital in New York, and they went to the same summer camp when they were 12 years old, and they hated each other. Um, Richard Lewis told the story on David on uh, Howard Stern, like, I don't know, 10 years ago, I want to say, where he said, like, I hated him, I couldn't stand him, he was a prick. And then, <laughs> by happenstance, they they run into each other when Larry's working for Saturday Night Live and Richard is coming up as a comic and they both had admiration for one another and couldn't identify how they knew each other from the past. And this was back when Richard was still drinking and the liquid confidence came in and he was like, you're, you went, did you go to a summer camp? And Larry's like, yeah, I was, and that was, and he's like, you're the fucking asshole from the summer camp. And then out of that, they said, you know what? So screw it. Like, it's amazing we're both here now and it turned into a lifelong friendship and uh, you see all the chemistry nonstop. I mean, Richard Lewis had his comic career. He was very well uh, known for, but everybody, you just saw that connection on curb and it was legendary. Yeah. I mean, I, you know much more of the history than me for me. It was like, I got into Richard Lewis comedy and super Dave. And so many of these other comedians that were before my time and yours, as much as I teach you for being old, you're not that old. And really, like, I learned about these people first from Curb and then became fans of them because of that. Like, I, I went back to YouTube or whatever it may be and watched some of their comedy because of Curb. Um, and I ended up falling in love with both him and Super Dave. And it's just, it's crazy to see. And getting old sucks, man. And I'm only 29. It's just, it really does. Yeah, and, and you know, Larry, I think for as as much as he likes to portray himself as a caricature on the show, you know, you, you could tell how much it hurt him because he released a statement yesterday and he said, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially his comments were, Richard had the unique ability to be the funniest guy and the sweetest guy in the room at the same time. Um, he made me laugh a lot, but today he made me sob and I'll never forgive him for that. And like, that's just classic Larry, isn't it? It is classic Larry. Yeah. When they meet again, I'm sure he's going to have some shit talk for him. Um, tough to see what a show, what a life RIP to Richard Lewis. And, and very, you know, in a 
crazy ironic way, maybe not ironic, but episode three of this season, when they're out on the golf course, just Larry and Richard, Richard is telling Larry that he's going to be in his will. And Larry says, don't you, don't you do it. Don't put me in your will. I don't want any part of it. And he has to, <laughs> to convince him otherwise. And we'll see well, in, I can bet we'll you. in real life if he is, in fact, or not. Eh, I, I'd be willing to bet he's in there somewhere. Probably more out of spite because he's such a, <laughs> Richard was such a funny guy. But yeah, um, is it too early to start talking about our wills? <laughs> uh, for right now, yes. I'm not willing to go down that rabbit hole just yet. But uh you know, hopefully I can leave you a small fortune and you me as well. Yeah, right now there's not much I can leave you, but I mean, I've got a set of like some pretty shitty used golf clubs and well, you can't have the car that's going to go to Michaela. So yeah, that's, you don't play golf. So I don't know. I'm giving you that Yankees hat. So that's pretty yeah, good. I've still got a hell of a baseball card collection. If you have any interest in that. I'll take that. Let's hope it's pre-90s because that's where all the money is. You know, I'm not a keeping lot it. I'm of, selling. A lot of it's pre-90s, my friend. Um, wow. Early 2000s. But where is I, this stuff kept? Do you want to you want to put that public? No, I don't. I'm going to keep that very <laughs> um, Do you have any rookie cards? Oh, yeah. What's your best card? I would have to really go back and see. I do have um, – oh trying to think which which one it's a uh i want to say it's a Derek jeter bat card from his rookie year Ooh. okay okay that is something either 96 or 97 i don't know if it was his rookie year but it's a bat card from one of his first few years in the league um okay which is pretty dope um i have a lot of the team sets too and autograph cards so i'm pretty proud of it i I wanted to make sure no matter where i was living that that was never going to be something that could be thrown out but um before we get into episode four i figured it would just be kind of off the top of the dome a a good walk down memory lane of some of the best richard lewis um performances on curb I, i the ones that stand out the most to me are um when rich when larry brings the scone over to richard's house and richard wants no part of it and he's like the scone is too dry. You know, you get it all over yourself. Then it gets over the floor. You got to bring the vacuum out. Larry goes, what are you, a senile old man? And then he's, uh, <laughs> and then they're going to meet for, they're going to go out to lunch and they're arguing over who's paying. And it ends with, I'm fucking paying and I'll see you tomorrow. You fucking idiot. And it's just like <laughs> classic. Like they, I, I love that exchange. It's just a perfect encapsulation of, of, their friendship and where it was evolving even in the later years. I think the the jewelry store episode, do you remember that one? <laughs> I do, yes. That one might have been the best between the two of them for me, where wasn't it like Larry, like somebody got a necklace that the other person wanted or something like that? Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, that one was like a complete all-timer because that just reminds me of me and my friends where it's like, I'll send my friend something that I think is really cool and then he'll get it. And I'll be like, I fucking sent you that just to show you how cool it would be for me to have, not for you to buy. And then they go out and buy it. And now I can't buy it. You know, it's just one of those kind of things. Like it, it just made me laugh. Cause I mean, those two, it's just there. They were so perfect together. I'm, I'm sad, man. I'm going to miss them. No, me too. Last one that, that definitely stands out to me is when Richard's parakeet dies and Larry sends him the text 
because he doesn't think it warrants a phone call because it's not a person dying. And Richard, <laughs> you're such a you're such a prick. You're devoid of any kind of empathy or compassion. And Larry's like, I take that as a great compliment. Thank you. Yeah, no, that was a good one. Obviously, uh, his dating history throughout the show was incredible. We oh, had to tell everybody that she was just, that that girl was a CEO or something. <laughs> yeah. Or when Richard's dating the burlesque dancer and uh Oh and he can't and he can't <laughs> and then he can't name another quality about her. <laughs> yeah. She gives to charity. She gives to charity. <laughs> oh and my that's god. That's a great super Dave Funkhauser moment too, because he's like, well, are you gonna finally set aside a day where you're gonna look at her face? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. These are all the things I say to my friends in private. Oh, of course. Of course. It's like, it's just, it's perfect. Maybe I'm in love with her. Maybe you're not, you're not in love with her. You're in love with parts of her. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's jump into episode four real yeah, quick. Tribute, obviously, we had to do. Uh, we could talk forever mm-hmm. about legacy, but we'll, we'll talk about episode four of season 12, disgruntled. And, you know, it, I think it's just, it's a perfect walkthrough where Larry's dating this woman, obviously, who who he's counting down the days until he can finally break up with because he hates her. Oh. And they're out at the, and it, you can see how much he hates her with every episode that continues. And the fact she drags him to couples counseling, couples therapy, and this is after, obviously, we find out that Jeff is the disgruntled employee or the disgruntled member of the, of the golf of the golf club and, and, and he's think, and he's in couples therapy with someone that he was friends with and it happened to be um what's his name rob riggles who's who's a character himself very funny guy also a u.s veteran by the way um thank you for your service um it was just it, that guy i needed him on this show and i'm so glad he made it on bringing the eggs his own eggs and his own bread for breakfast. And then he makes a great point though. Like when you go out to eat and you see like, you know, brunch, I think is a very, that's, that's a long fixed menu. That's going to be from like 10 AM to 3 PM. But when the menu switches from breakfast to lunch, it's a great point. Like what's the difference of 11 o'clock? Is that like all of a sudden you can't make breakfast food now? Like that's almost, that's impossible. You got to well, switch. Sure, you got to look at it from the restaurant's point of view. That causes a lot of chaos. Now you're cooking. Now you're basically cooking double the food. They prep these things, Sean. Now you're thinking like Larry, not like someone that's working in the industry. Of course. Well, I don't work in the industry, so I'm not protected. Neither do I. <laughs> but I can see every point of, you know, if you're trying to do it at 2 p.m., okay, clearly that's wrong. Well, but. you got it. Like the waitress said, you got to draw a line somewhere. 11.01 <laughs> or 2 p.m., it's still late, brother. It's still late. It's still late. <laughs> and, and, you know, obviously Larry's reluctance to conform to any social norms is, is the best. Of course. Of absolutely. Course, of course, finding out that the there's no confidentiality in the couple's therapist's office at all because you've got you saw that coming the second that they said that they were going to go to couple therapy. I was, <laughs> I was like, this is perfect. The ending where Leon's in the urologist office. You're not a dick doctor. You're an, you're an ass doctor. Yeah. I just thought it was funny when they were talking about his long balls at dinner. <laughs> long ball Larry. Long ball Larry. I mean, that's been going on for a couple of years now. It is. That was the... Uh... That was when Larry ends up at the hospital and Leon 
<laughs> and him told and me he had long balls. Yeah, you got long balls, Larry. Long ball, Larry. <laughs> oh man, another good one. Another good one. I'm really enjoying this season. I have to admit. They're going out with a bang. I wonder how many more uh, Richard's going to be in, but and to get your boy Vin Diesel, as you like to say. Um, we'll see how Vince Vaughn comes back, but I this this relationship that Larry's in has to end before the season ends, right? One would think. Who is the actress that said she after he gave the water bottle said she wanted to go on a date with him? I think we're going to see from her again. I certainly hope so. Because it's going to test every little bit of his fortitude to stay the whole six months with this woman. Absolutely. <laughs> they make her it, so unlikable. It's great. Yeah, you know what? She's a great actress. I don't know if I could even try and make myself that unlikable. I'm such a likable guy. Famous too. She's had a long career. I forget her name off the top of my head, but I mean, she's been she's been famous for a really long time. So Larry gets the best. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And he's got a great eye for talent. Always has. Um, anything else from you, man? No, that's it. I'm I'm looking forward to uh episode five. Um what day what the hell day do they come out? I swear I look on a Sunday night, it's not there. Like Sunday nights, do they bro. come out on different what is it? It's Sunday nights. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not looking hard enough and then I just give up and save it for another day. I, I don't know. It's not like we do it on Mondays, anyways. We try to watch it either Monday before our pod, or or if we if I can't get Listen, around. As to long it. as as long as we get it in for the people before the end of the week, who cares? Get over it, everybody. Right. I mean, and listen, everybody should be appreciative that this is a show that I have stuck with for a very oh, while. Wow. No, that doesn't count. I mean, come on. That's like me saying, yeah, everybody should be real appreciative that I eat pizza. Can you believe? Okay. Can you believe I do the world such a service that I eat pizza? Like okay. you like the show, Sean? Great. All right, fine. Fuck you. You make it. <laughs> now listen, when we do our series that we haven't mentioned with Phillips, and you're able to sit through all of Star Wars and whatnot, maybe I'll give you a little credit there. I think we both deserve it. But to watch a show that you like, like oh man, oh. You know, I did the work. I really did good today. I played 18 holes and then I and then I went to the casino and gambled all my money away. Ugh. I'm doing points it again. Paid. It's tough. Your points paid you, Sack. <laughs> We're good. To um, <laughs> all right, everybody. We'll be back shortly. Yes, we will. We'll talk to you soon.